So I'm going to be cursing tonight, just so you know. In fact, things are so cursy, we've gone red. We've gone red. How are you guys doing tonight? Audio, yes. Video is in. This show is what I look forward to after work. See, a philosopher's job is never done. Now, why is my video stuttering up? No, it's fine. A philosopher's job is never done, but it's great to know that you have an after-work scenario, even if I don't. Even if I don't. Saucy background lighting. Yeah, that's right, eh? That's right. That's right. Man is in the house. How you guys doing? Are you sick and tired of COVID yet? Are you sick and tired of the entire topic, the entire process, the entire revelatory peeled back onion skin layer from hell that we're currently dealing with at the moment? Yes! I'm sure that you, just like me, am a little sick of it. But we'll start with it tonight. Had a date, went well. Why the red? Well, I'll show you. Okay, let's, let's get straight into it. All right. What do we got here? Come on. There you go. All right. Let me shift over a little bit here. Boy, this is old school, isn't it? All right. Can you see that? I'm sorry, I don't, I don't know how to get rid of the transparency. I've tried saying no transparency. It's like, to hell with your no transparency. I'm going to do transparency. So anyway, this is a mainstream media article. Have you... Audio's a little low. Uh, is it? Is it? Is it? Uh, looks pretty high on me. Try it. Try it at your end. So here it says, Israel fighting record-breaking surge in COVID-19 cases despite high levels of vaccination. Oh, look, it's easier to read if I put my hand up behind the text. Woo! Uh, if you've got a chroma filter on. Yeah, I'm on XSplit. No, I've tried turning all that off. Yeah, isn't this wild? Look at this. So here's the thing, right? This is a basic statement of sort of fact, reality, truth, reason, evidence, and all that kind of stuff. So here's the thing. I mean, I, yeah, sorry, I'm at max volume here. Sorry, uh, I'm at like max volume. So whatever it is, um, it's not something I can do much about. So here's the thing. Who predicted this? Who, who do you trust? Who, who predicted this, right? This is really, really important. This is really important. Who predicted this? If the experts did not predict this, are they in fact experts at all, right? So let's just dive into this a little bit, right? One of the most vaccinated... Oh, what if I do select all here? Hang on a sec. It's been a while since I've worked with this crap. All right. One of the most vaccinated countries on earth has this week seen its highest number of coronavirus cases ever. Israel, the poster child for vaccination, received more new COVID-19 infections on Wednesday than at the peak of its second wave when few in the country of 9 million were even jabbed. I hate that they call it a jab. It sounds way too innocuous. The nation wholly dependent on Pfizer has a rolling average of 9,300 daily cases. Where it once broke vaccination records, Israel has now broken a grim new record, the country with the highest seven-day average of new cases per million. <sighs> oh, yeah, look at this, uh, look at this uh, subheading, right? Let's go back here. What was the world's most vaccinated country has broken another record for the most new COVID-19 cases per million people 
and it has experts worried. Experts. I would submit, my friends, if you were in fact a fucking expert, you would have planned for this possibility. Because I don't know about you, and I certainly don't know the answers, but I'll tell you this. I've read a whole bunch of experts who said this was exactly what was going to happen for reasons we'll get into. And again, I can't judge. I'm not a scientist. But the idea that nobody had any clue that this was even a remote possibility. So if you didn't have this in your buckets of possibilities, if you didn't have this as either something you predicted or something that you had as a clear possibility, then I'll tell you this, I don't give a shit what you have to say about coronavirus until the end of time, right? I don't care if you haven't had this in your bucket of possibilities, if this is taking you by surprise, if this has you worried or concerned, then it means that you're a talented demagogue hack out there to spread misinformation. So it's released me from a whole bunch of people in terms of like trying to figure out whether they have anything whatsoever of value to say regarding, uh, regarding COVID. If, if, if you didn't predict this, I don't care what you have to say about anything to do with COVID, right? Um, infectious disease experts have said Israel may prove, may prove that the effectiveness of vaccines do indeed wane over time. Isn't that fascinating? So you understand that they put this stuff into hundreds of millions of people. And this is, of course, why, isn't this sort of why you would do long-term testing? Isn't this kind of why you would do long-term testing? Isn't this why the average vaccine takes 8 to 10 years and has a 94% failure rate? Because you kind of need to find out. I don't know, how long does the protection last? Did you take experimental medicines for basically a couple of months of lowered symptoms? Isn't this crazy? I don't know. I don't know if people are like getting a sense of like, hmm. So these experts poured hundreds of billions of dollars and and this experimental gene therapy right into people's arms, and now they're like, oh yeah, the highest vaccinated country has the highest number of cases. Now again, I'm no doctor. I like to think I can think a little though. And I mentioned this in a show the other day. So one of the things that happened when I was a kid, uh, I was a teenager. I worked for a couple of years in a daycare. And I'll tell you the parents we really didn't like. The parents we really didn't like were the parents who loaded their sick kids up with medicines to suppress symptoms and then brought them to daycare where they spread their illness. If you don't have a symptom, you don't even know you're sick maybe, you're spreading the virus. We didn't like this at all. It's kind of cheating the system, right? Because if your kid shows up, runny nose, cough, sneeze, right? Then you're like, hey, man, you got to take your kid home. But for these parents who, for whatever reason, felt it really important to drop their kids off, they just load them up with cough suppressants and and, uh, antihistamines and whatever. And then the kids would look vaguely healthy, but would be spreading these viruses like a fire hose, right? Didn't like those parents too much at all. Well, actually at all. So one of the problems when you suppress symptoms, which is a lot of what these spike protein uh, mRNA vaccines do, 
one problem is that you don't know that you're sick and you're out there spreading the virus. Now, you're spreading the virus to some degree to unvaccinated people, and you're also spreading the virus to vaccinated people who themselves can have a breakthrough infection. So, And there have been studies, I'm sure you've seen them, where sometimes it seems like dozens or hundreds of times the viral load is in the noses and sputum of the vaccinated for reasons that pass mortal understanding. So this was somewhat predicted by a lot of people. Now, that again, I don't know what the truth is. I don't know what the, you know, but this is something you should have in the mix. So everyone who's like, and what they should have said, they should have said, well, you know, we do have to be careful, of course, because we don't know how long the immunity lasts. And if all we're doing is suppressing symptoms, right? This is the big problem, right? If what we're doing mostly is suppressing symptoms, so that people may not even know that they're ill. They may just feel a slight headache or a tickle in the throat. They may not even know that they're ill. Then they're out there spreading the virus. Rather than staying home with your feet up, having some chicken noodle soup and a Netflix binge or whatever you do when you're ill this way. So what they're doing is they're out there spreading the virus. Now, if there are people out there who got vaccinated very early this year and it's a six-month window to waning immunity, then you've got people whose symptoms are suppressed out there spreading viruses among people whose defenses are significantly down because the efficacy of the vaccine is waning. <sighs> you know, that's what saved us from SARS, was the fact that it knocked people on their ass and got them into bed very quickly so they couldn't spread it. So, my God. My God. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that truly Nuts. And now, of course, everyone's like, wow, this is unexpected. This is a total surprise. This is a common sense question. It's a basic common sense question, right? What can I tell you? It really is quite mad. It really is quite mad that everybody's just so shocked. You see, just so shocked and appalled that such a thing could come to pass. All right, I'll tell you what. If you're all the sound trolls, then to hell with you. But if you're not, I will see if there's a way to turn this up. Just a little smidge. All right. Hopefully that's a little better. Let me know if that's too loud. Is that too loud? Too loud now? What if I go loud? I'm getting red down here. Is it too loud? Yeah, probably. All right. Okay. So this says here. Uh, this is a uh, Dr. Ran Balasur of Silalit Health Services, one of Israel's main healthcare providers, told Science Magazine last month, this is a very clear warning sign for the rest of the world. If it can happen here, it can probably happen elsewhere. <sighs> the country's politicians are insistent no new lockdowns will be introduced and have pointed out that despite the surge in cases, serious illness and death among the vaccinated Israelis remain low. Now, of course, that's, you know, this is the point, right? So the fact that the infections are up means that, doesn't mean, of course, that there's more hospitalizations um, or serious illness and death. It does, you know, obviously the, they do suppress uh, symptoms uh, and, and problems with serious cases, for sure, uh, that, that the vaccines have done. And, and without a doubt, uh, as far as I can tell from the data, amateur outside opinion, they have saved lives. I'm fully willing to accept that. But look at these numbers. Israel recorded 
11,250 new COVID-19 cases with a seven-day average of 9,308 cases. That's higher than the seven-day average of cases on January 17th, the second wave peak, only a month after the country's vaccine program began. Now, fatalities, of course, are low, 31, rolling average of 21 deaths per day. So... Uh, September is a challenging month. Children back in school and a major religious holiday approaching. Further jumping cases is to be expected. But look at this. Look at this dude. Now let me just take this uh, background off. Okay, look at this. Look at this chart. Look at this chart. Do you know that per million people, Israel now has COVID cases triple that of the U.S. Triple. Look at these numbers. Right, so that's October 2020. This is when vaccinations began. Then there was, of course, a floor. And now look at these numbers. Look at these numbers. Post-vaccine. Was this anticipated or expected or planned for by anyone in the mainstream media? Anybody who, you know, these big expert doctors, they go on and talk, and the virologists and the epidemiologists and this and that, were they sitting there saying, oh, yeah, you know, you know, watch out, this, this is a real possibility. You know, we got, you got people out there spreading the virus who don't even know that they're sick, right? COVID cases or the money supply, unfortunately, the two tend to be kind of one and the same these days, right? So look at those numbers. Look at that graph. Remember, the promise was, in general, back to normal. Take the vaccine, go back to normal. Man, oh man. All right, so I just really wanted to sort of ah, point that out, that, um, yeah, the people are just not, well, first of all, they're not really taking any responsibility. Let's move my mic over here. Right, so they're not really taking any responsibility for saying, did this work? Did this work? How many people would have taken the vaccines if the vaccines had gone through proper trials and the vaccines had been revealed to have only a couple of months, you know, four, six months, seven months, depends, right? Efficacy, that you need to take more. Now, of course, they're injecting the third booster shot while the experiment was only, the, the, the short window of experimentation that happened, what was it, two months or something? The short window of experimentation that happened was for two shots. Now they're just throwing in three right in the middle of the experiment. Let's cheer it up a little, shall we? Do you guys have questions, comments, issues? Do you want to chat? I'm happy to throw my earpiece in, but let's uh, move out of COVID land and put the blue light on. What do you think? There we go. Back to our sunny climate of blueness. Let's see here. New York Feds has suspended its GDP tracking model. Is that right? Yeah. Well, this is the thing, right? If if you don't like the numbers, just get rid of the uh, just get rid of the calculation. <laughs> easy peasy, nice and easy. Easy peasy, nice and easy. Yeah. I mean, I I I got my smallpox and polio, and I don't remember. There were no booster shots that I can recall. Hard to move out of COVID land when the government. Here is proposing that the unvaccinated won't be allowed anywhere but grocery stores. 
It would be nice if there was any accountability for experts. Yeah, so in general, experts are people paid to intimidate the uncertain into bowing to power, right? That's what experts uh, trotted out to, oh, I've got a string of letters behind my name. I'm saying this, that, or the other. So clearly you need to shut up and bow down. And also experts are a way of allowing for the censorship of what is going on at the moment. I said this in my live stream this afternoon. And freedomain.locals.com is also, you know, just check it out. So it's free to join. You don't have to sign up. It's nice. If you do sign up and subscribe, you don't have to. But yeah, freedomain.locals.com. I said this this afternoon. COVID-19 is the most complicated thing the world has ever gone through. Ever, ever, ever gone. There's not even a close second. It is the most complicated thing the world has ever gone through. I mean, there's multiple pressure points, you have a potential gain of function, there's communist um, shutdown of information, there are vested interests in the political, pharmaceutical, medical lobby, there are human rights issues. I mean, this is the most complicated thing that has ever happened to the world. And we don't have free speech about it. <laughs> we don't have, the more complicated things are, the more you need free speech. I remember taking my daughter and some of her friends out for pizza and trying to figure out what was on the pizza for all of the kids, a big table of kids, right? <laughs> trying to figure, going around the table, who wants what? And trying to figure out what to put on a pizza was very complicated. And you kind of needed free speech on the part of the kids so that you could negotiate and navigate to what you wanted. And that's just ordering a damn pizza. You know, this is the most, and the more complicated something is, the more free speech you need. So, unfortunately, this happened right after the free speech apocalypse that occurred in the summer of 2020 that took me and other people down because they wanted, uh, uh, you know, I don't know, anti-Biden voices or anti-left voices shut up. So now we're going as fast as a civilization has ever gone with our blinders on. We're blindfolded. So the world is going to, it's, it's currently in the process of learning what life is like without free speech. Without philosophers, without ethicists, without robust scientific debate, the world is currently in the process of trying to navigate the most complex thing that's ever happened to the planet without the clear eyesight of free speech. And I guess at some point, hopefully, uh, people will say, hey, you know, that free speech was really helpful because driving blindfolded is just having us careen from disaster to disaster to disaster. But that's the... Um, that's the reality. That's the reality. There will be no vaccine mandate in Russia. Yeah, yeah but there uh, will be no vaccine mandate in Russia. It's a Christian country, right? The, Russia is a Christian nationalist country, as opposed to an international communist country, which was imposed upon it in the past, largely through outsiders. But yeah, Russia is a Christian nationalist country, which is why it must be forever demonized. Right. Whoever's not your enemy is the people that, whoever is not your enemy, that's who the cowards point at as your enemy. Because anybody who is a genuine and real danger will never be pointed at because there'd be fear of blowback, right? So the fact that they keep pointing out that Russia's the enemy, Russia's the enemy, Russia's the enemy, that's all you need to know to say that Russia is not the enemy. That's all you need to know. Whoever the media says is your enemy is most likely not, or not your enemy, maybe being a friend. Whoever the media says is your enemy uh, is almost certainly uh, somebody who's got something useful to say. That's just the upside-down clown world that we live in.
at the moment. So yeah, no vaccine mandate in Russia. To what extent should women give the shy guy a chance? When does shyness indicate dysfunction, unprocessed trauma, and someone to avoid? Don't give shy guys a chance. (laughs) Don't give shy guys a chance. Look, if you're a woman, Lucy, (laughs) I know you are. So if you're a woman, you want a guy who's going to go out and win resources in the battle, right? And shy guys are just exhausting to be around. I mean, I was a shy kid when I was younger, so I had to sort of fight my own battles to overcome the shyness and go to the opposite extreme in a sense that I've gone. But your responsibility is to your children. Your responsibility is to your children. Shy guys, you're going to have to prop them up in social situations all the time. They're going to be world avoidant, people avoidant. They're not going to... Like, I knew a guy who dated a woman who was afraid of the phone. Do you know how complicated his life became? Because every time there needed to be a phone call, it's like, could you do it? Right? Just, oh my God, just make a phone call, right? So yeah, really shy people. Shyness is something to be overcome. I don't mean introversion. I just mean genuine uh, shyness. It is usually unprocessed trauma. And, or it could be that somebody has a really guilty secret and they just feel shamefaced and alienated from other people. Shyness doesn't always come from this sort of cute, shrinking flower, Japanese, um, (laughs) lowered-eyed Uh, female anime stuff, Uh, shyness can also come from you've got a lot to hide. You've got a lot to hide. So yeah, Uh, don't don't deal with shy people. Help them if you want. If they're good people, help them overcome it. But shyness is just a kind of phobia. First of all, make sure you're not surrounded by asshole, right? APD, asshole proximity disorder, probably nine times out of 10, that's what your social anxiety is. It's just asshole proximity disorder. But um, yeah, it's too too exhausting because then of course, if you've got sons and daughters, they will imprint upon the shy guy and they will inherit this general fear of the world and of the people in it and so on and uh, all of that. It's plenty of time for them to become afraid of the world when they wake up to what it really is as they get older. So, um, What's up with China banning celebrities and all feminine males on television? So if you get rid of the fathers, the state becomes your mother. Right, this just reality, right? If you get rid of dads, the state becomes your mother. And mothers are generally very paranoid of illness and so on. So what's generally happened is that as fathers have been driven out or lured out of the household so that you get, you know, four-fifths of authority figures for most boys are female, right? And mothers and, and uh, teachers and, and so on, right? So what happens is you end up with the government needing to set limits for the kids, right? And so in China now, if you're 18 or under, you can only have online video games for three hours a week. I think it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday for like one hour or whatever. So you get three hours. Now, limiting video games is the job of the parents, which means to say the job of the dad, right? And so because fathers have been emasculated to some degree in East Asian culture, uh, you have children who don't have any particular limits set. Rational, consistent limits are much more on the father's side than the mother's side. It's a bit of a cliche, and there's lots of exceptions, blah, blah, blah. But in general, what happens is women let things go and then explode. Just get angry and frustrated, whereas men tend to be more proactive, set up rules, get agreements, and enforce them positively and proactively. So, um, yeah, they're um, concerned about the feminization of their young males, And, of course, the best way to not end up with cripplingly effeminate little boys 
is to empower fathers in society. But that doesn't really happen. Of course, under communism, the state replaces the father in terms of providing and protecting. And so you end up with overly maternal influences, overly feminine influences. You end up with feminized men, which I guess China views as a national security threat. And so they're, what are they saying, you know? Pull up your pants, turn your baseball cap around, put on a real belt, stop playing so many video games, you know, butch it up a little, go play some sports. All the stuff that dads would kind of be encouraging and participating in their sons to do. Now this all has to just be taken over by the state. I mean, this happened in the, was in the 90s. They had this V-chip thing where, you know, just turn off that crap TV, turn off that violent uh, TV. There was um, uh, parental explicit advisory warnings on records and songs because, you know, but that's... It's the dad's job. That's the dad's job. All right. How does one overcome shyness? So overcoming any negative situation is um, you just figure out who does it serve? Who does it serve? Okay. I will tell you the roots of shyness and how to overcome it, having gone through it myself. So what is shyness? Shyness is aversion to outsiders, right? I mean, there are most people who are shy usually have someone within the family or whatever that they can chatter away with and all that. So shyness is aversion to outsiders. Now, why would a family imprint or embed in a child an aversion to an outsider or outsiders as a whole? Well, I can tell you exactly why. To cover up abuse. Because if the child is friendly and positive and warm and, and all of that to outsiders then they may gain the trust and have a pair bond to some degree with the outsiders to the point where the child will tell the outsiders about the abuse occurring within the home. You, you with me? You follow you guys are fast. You're getting all this easy peasy nice and easy. So it's omerta, right? Shyness is just a form of the silence within the criminal gang, so to speak, right? So if you're being abused, if you're being harmed in the family, the parents will train you to be afraid of outsiders so that they can keep the uh, sickness going and the abuse going without you developing bonds with outsiders that might reveal the evils going on within the family. This is particularly the case when there's sexual abuse, right? Uh, or significant physical abuse. Sexual abuse is the worst for this kind of stuff, though. Now, I'm not saying everyone who's shy was sexually abused. I'm not saying, I'm just saying that that pattern tends to be uh, pretty consistent because sexual abuse is usually not something that shows up. Like if you punch a child, the child has bruises, black eyes, and, and all of that. So um, this is one of the reasons why spanking occur on the bottom because that's covered up and you can cover up the bruises. This is right. Spanking is just a crime cover up in terms of where it's hit. Plus also there is a sick, creepy, fetishistic auto-erotica that goes on with uh, hitting a child's butt for some sick people. But anyway, uh, so physical abuse, hmm. emotional abuse, well, it's the emotional abuse that produces a lot of the shyness, but in general, it's the sexual abuse, which is not going to show up in particular, and for which the parent can go to jail, wherein the parent who sexually abuses the child can get killed, and often is, by the other uh, criminals within the prison system, or non-criminals within the prison system these days, simply because so many criminals end up in prison because they were sexually abused as children, that they have a great deal of rage towards pedophiles and so on. So, yeah, you've got to keep people from, you've got to keep your kids from forming bonds. This is why I was taken from England to Canada, because I was getting to the age where I was starting to form pair bonds with people I could trust, and that all had to be taken away. I had to be moved to a new land where I couldn't have any, I didn't have any new bonds. So that, so who does your shyness serve? This is a big question. In terms of like whatever, like if you have a really bad temper, okay, who does your bad temper serve? Well, it doesn't serve you. 
And we don't just wake up in the morning when we're five or six or seven years old. We just wake up in the morning and say, hmm, I had a great idea. You know, it'd be excellent. Yeah. Yeah, this would be great. What if I develop a really bad crippling social phobia? Oh, that's going to be fantastic. Of all of the options I have in my life, really bad crippling social phobia would be fantastic. Or really great shyness or a really bad temper or, you know, it would be great if I fell into a bad crowd and started using drugs. You know, that'd be fantastic. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Or what if I just hide in my room? If I just hide in my room for the next five years, wouldn't that be excellent? Oh, you know, it'd be fantastic if I got really addicted to video games or weed, or right? This not Children don't wake up to do that. It's just not, not how we work. We don't just wake up and decide to do things that are really bad for us, that obviously bad for us. So when you have a habit that is negative towards you, the only reason you have it is it's positive towards someone else. It hurts you, so why do you have it? Because it helps someone else. Right? You understand, right? So when it comes to figuring out your bad habits, just figure out who do they serve. Well, not serving you, so that's off the table, and you didn't just voluntarily, for some stupid reason, decide to develop a habit that was negative to your life. No. It just it serves somebody else. Figure out who it's serving. Figuring out, figure out how it serves them and stop being a slave. <laughs> stop being a slave to that which benefits others and harms you. Uh, it's perfectly understandable that you would do that when you're a child. But adulthood is when you stop being a child and you stop doing the things that were necessary to survive as a child. So, I feel sorry and hypocritical for rejecting the shy guys as someone a little shy myself. Yeah, no, I, I feel very hypocritical for being attracted to boobs when I don't have female boobs myself. It's like, you're a female, and so shyness is not as bad in a female as it is in a male at all. So the idea that you would feel hypocritical for rejecting shy guys when you're a little shy yourself makes no sense because men and women are different. I'm, I'm attracted to females who can bear children, but I feel completely hypocritical because I cannot bear children myself. Right? Sorry, I don't mean to make fun of you, but yeah, that's uh, that's very bad. Yeah, don't worry about it. Just be di- men and women are different. Men and women are different. All right. Uh, did a remote family counseling session. Counselor refused to define better slash worse in terms of effective communication skills. Felt very off. Follow your feelings, follow your feelings. Uh, yeah, don't deal with shy people. Don't And don't just, so that's my big quote. So people take this, like they take this little fucking stupid slice. This is Alan, bro. They take this little stupid stuff. Oh, they put a quote around it. And this is what Steph said. Yeah, that's all I said was don't deal with shy people. I said nothing else about helping them or how to overcome it or anything like that. Don't deal with shy people. I'm so clever. All right. I read one time, you're not suffering depression, you're just surrounded by assholes. Yeah, it can really happen. can really happen. All right. Uh, is it better to make a mess than make nothing at all? I'm sorry, I don't answer fortune cookies. Uh, one of my kids is very shy. No abuse. Yeah, and that may be a phase. That may be a phase. My daughter went through a shy phase. It's no problem. But when it... Um, if it doesn't do them any particular harm, but shyness as an adult is a negative, right? So 
so that's why women like being spanked during intercourse, coping mechanism for being hit as kids. I've never met a woman who likes being spanked during intercourse. You might want to change your social circles just a little bit. Just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if, if a woman wants to be hit during sex, uh, you get up and you get out and you record your exit on audio and then delete it when nothing bad happens, assuming that's legal in your jurisdiction. But yeah, no, if a woman wants to be hit during sex, uh, it is a very, very, very dangerous uh, personality trait, and uh, you will pay. You will pay in, in horrible ways, right? So. All right. Um, is there also a genetic aspect to it? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. How's my daughter doing? She's doing well. She's doing well. She's loving the ducks. And she's doing well. I mean, she's more of a homebody than I am. I kind of miss the travel and the documentaries and all that kind of stuff. So she's doing well. She's doing well. She's got a great social circle. We had uh, um, uh, people around, what was it, yesterday? We did a sort of outdoor thing and, and uh, went on a hike and all of that. So she's, yeah, she's really, and she's actually pivoting towards enjoying the company of younger children more because some, a lot of her friends have younger kids because, you know, whatever. So, all right. So why do women become promiscuous when they were abused, but men become shy instead? Uh, I think that's a bit of a general statement, if you don't mind me saying so. And what I mean by that is it really depends on the type of abuse. So if you're verbally abused, you will often become shy. If you are physically abused, you will often become aggressive and self-medicating. And if you are sexually abused, promiscuity seems to be the way out, right? So uh, the way, not out, the way forward. So you got to sort of slice and dice. Go to uh, bombinthebrain.com for more on this. I've got a whole series about this. So, oh my God, this can't be. Am I caught up? My mom said it's genetic, which I feel is kind of bull, uh, bullshit that has to be inflicted on you. My mother and grandparents were verbally abusive. Well, this is a pretty typical thing, right? Uh, it's a pretty typical thing for parents to blame upon genetics the result of their own bad parenting. So what can I say? That is just kind of the way it goes. Okay, let me just check in here and see if anyone has chatty chats that they would like to engage in and we'll just check there and uh, see if you guys have any other questions feel free to throw them in i already did a live stream today so i may not make a super long show tonight if there aren't a tsunami of questions for me to pick from but uh, let me just check over here i remember like two weeks ago we went dark in the chat can we go light this week oh Depends on the questions, I suppose, and how the dance goes with my unconscious. I only have some control over the philosophy that emerges uh, from me. I can guide it a little bit, but there's a lot of work that just happens on its own. All right. What do we got? What do we got? Uh, questions? Oh, let me just throw this here. Bum, bum, bum. Bum, 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 All right. Let me just check here. Questions. Live, baby, live. All right. What do we got? Questions. 
questions. Or, you know, hit me with a hit me with the letter V. V. My V is for vendetta. Yeah, that's a uh, vagina revenge. Anyway, so hit me with a V if you would like to uh, do a voicey voice chat. All right. Rape charges will skyrocket in tax. Oh, so you're referring to the, uh, what's it, six weeks or heartbeat detected or whatever it is that you can't get an abortion or there's some restriction on abortion. So, yeah, it's pretty wild, you know. It's pretty wild when you look at it just from an abstract moral standpoint that, you know, how hard so many women will fight in order to retain the right to off the unborn, like to, to, to kill the unborn. That that's just so passionate for them. That is a, um, to me, like whenever I was um, dating or I was in the dating world back in the day, if a woman was like really pro-abortion rights without getting into the moral content, I don't care. Like, I do care, but it's not so important to me what your moral argument is regarding abortion. But if you're just fierce, like, well, it's a woman's right to choose and it's, it's her body, her choice. And like you just vehemently are defending the right of women to kill the unborn. Something's really wrong with you. Like something is fundamentally wrong with you. If you're not even like, you know, it's tough, man. It's a tough call. It's a tough question. It's complicated. It's complex. It's there's a lot of ambivalence. Blah blah blah. Like if you're just like, oh yeah, kill the unborn. Totally, it's a right. I'm like, I would, I would never would in a million years date a woman who made those claims or those statements because that's just cold, man. Like that is a human life that's being killed in the womb. And without coming to any particular conclusions, that is a human life that you're killing in the womb. And anybody who's just like, yep, it's done and dusted, totally right, absolutely, 100% woman's body, woman's choice, blah, 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 right? And then, of course, uh, it's a man's wallet. Does he get any say over it? A man who earns by the sweat of his brow the money that he's supposed to be using to support his family, his children. Man's wallet, man's choice? No! No, half your money's got to be taken by the state and redistributed mostly to women. So it's not man's body, man's choice, because you produce your wealth with your body, right? I know I do on OnlyFans, right? So you produce your wealth with your body. And if it's your body, your choice, then the wealth that you produce through the actions of your body should be yours to choose what to do with, right? Give it away, spend it, save it, whatever, right? Man's body, man's choice. Man's wallet, man's choice. Nope! Killing babies. Totally. But of course, the reality is that if a woman can't get an easy abortion, then, see, men control access to sex. Sorry, women control access to sex. Men control access to relationships, right? It's the man who proposes, generally the man who buys the ring, the man who commits in that way, right? So if a woman can't get an easy access to abortion, then it becomes much more dangerous for a man to have sex with her if he doesn't love her and isn't in a pair-bonded relationship with her. In other words, love and sex take 12 steps closer together when there's no easy abortion because it's too risky, right? If the woman gets pregnant and can't get an abortion, then you're in baby jail for the next 20 years. So you're going to stay away from women who are unpleasant, difficult, and, and their looks won't be enough to make up for it because the looks lead to baby jail if there's no easy abortion, right? So... For women who want to rely on their looks, and man, you just, I do occasionally do this, like, scroll through TikTok, you can do it online, don't have to install anything, scroll through TikTok and just see the number of women who go the before and after makeup stuff, it's like that's half of TikTok, 
is the before and after makeup stuff. And there's stuff in Japan and stuff in China, which is like makeup fraud, right? It's, it's just insane, insane, you know? Uh, wear wear baggy clothing and then your swimsuit and you go from baggy clothing to boom swimsuit you know and then there's this one it's like mind-numbingly dull for anybody with testicles but it's like monday tuesday wednesday thursday and it's each outfit for each day of the week and of course it's all like you go girl you look fantastic you know and then it's like girls night out you know and and then there's another one which is like oh i'm sorry i can't come out tonight <laughs> i'm sick right and then it's a woman with no makeup and then she covers up the lens and comes back and she's got the full makeup on and just looks like this insane highly greased sex clown from hell hades in fact so if a woman and, and you know the secret smile right the secret smile like if it, it, this is like so common for women in makeup or women who want to look appealing they they just they put on that secret smile like I'm I'm smiling at some wonderful little secret that I have and, and so on, right? Or the sex eyes, you know, the sex face, the Simba lying back in Lion King sex eyes and all of that. So if a woman is no longer able to attract a man based on looks because it's too risky because easy abortions can't be attained, then she has to start relying on her personality. Now, quick question, quick question for you. Is it easier? Here, I'll give you an example, right? So it took me many, many years to become a good man. It took me many years to become a good man. I had some bad habits when I was younger. I wasn't a terrible man, but I was not a good man. It took me many years. Now, um, it also, I, I've been working out for a long time. It's one of the things that helped me shrug off cancer fairly easily, and they told me that because I was healthy and fit and, and had good muscle mass and all of that. So it takes, you know, many years to become healthy and fit. Uh, it takes uh, many years for me, at least, to become a good man. But here's the thing, right? There's a little bit of makeup, right? A little bit of makeup. I have had this lying here for like uh, a year and a half and I've barely used it, right? But, you know, here's the thing, right? So I can put on a little bit of this, right? A little bit of this. And look at that. Look at me. Oh, look, the dark eyes are beginning to fade away. Look at that. It's like I'm young again, you know? I can just, I can put up all, all the makeup and... And all of that, and and look, I'm just starting to look better already. I can de-shine. I can take all the age smocks away. I can take the freckles down. I can put a wig on if I want. Like, okay, so is it easier to become prettier artificially, or is it easier to become a good person that a man will fall in love with? Right? You can't see any difference. Yeah, yeah, I get it. I, I mean, it's not like I'm doing it. It's not like a. But if I, I mean, I know how to do makeup because I was in the theater world for a long time, right? So I know how to do my makeup. But uh, there's your gift if you want it. But is it easier, right? Is it easier? Is it easier to become a good person or to spend 10 bucks on some filler, right? Is it? We all know the answer to that, right? So people who want the easy route will end up really hating and fearing because the, the real, you have to become a good person. You have to be a good person for a man to fall in love with you. And that's a lot harder than making yourself pretty and, and looking like some uh, plastic Cupid doll with anime paint on. So, yeah, that's uh, why. What did you do to Steph? <laughs> that's funny. All right, let's see here. Female vanity is the greatest danger we face today. Yeah, I get tired of this stuff, to be honest with you. I get tired. I get tired of men blaming women. Like, I have my criticisms of women, but women are in a highly artificial state because of the power of the government, right? 
They get resources without having to work. They get uh, childcare without having to have a husband. Uh, they get healthcare without having to have a provider. So they're in a zoo. They're in a zoo of unreality. So getting mad at female nature or women's vanity or blah, 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 blah. It, the enemy is the state. <laughs> the enemy, the enemy in, in philosophical terms is the state. And, and we all just get mad at each other. And I, yeah, I get into it too. I fall into it too, right? I fall into it too, right? Oh, the people will like, oh, the Jews control, right? No, but it's a state. It's a state. We're getting mad at people when we're all trying to just dodge or some people trying to leverage the state. It's kind of silly. So let's see here. If an average cute woman doesn't wear makeup, she is invisible compared to the women who do wear makeup, though. Now, I hear what you're saying, Lucy. I really, really do. I really do. If a woman goes to a bar and she's just dressed normally and then there's other women, you know, tarted up like the uh, frizzy-haired electroshock boob arc electric lightning vixen from Hades, then she is going to be somewhat invisible. And that's a good thing, right? Because then what happens is the guys swarm the sex doll and those are the trashy guys anyway. So you don't want to have anything to do with them, right? All right, let's see here. First date, you take her to the pool. <laughs> yes, that's right. Stephanie's a blonde ponytail. You know, back in the day when I was in university, I had quite the ponytail. <laughs> Let me tell you, I had quite the ponytail. Uh, Steph, I have trouble understanding the level of anger liberals have for issues like abortion or racism in America. It's so crazy to me. Okay, well, I'll tell you that again. So um, being hysterical about racism is the equivalent of makeup. Right, so is it easy to be a good person who studies the facts and spreads the truth? No, it's not. It's really, really not. In fact, it's really unpleasant at times, right? A lot of times it's great, but there are times it's like, blech, right? So being angry about racism is a way of feeling good without actually having to do good, right? That, that's, that's all it is. Feeling angry about all of these various isms there are groups are going to be different, and we've talked about this a million times on this show. It's kind of boring to talk about it again, so I won't bother. But, yeah, groups are going to end up with different outcomes. You never judge individuals, but groups as a whole are going to end up with different outcomes. You're going to end up with more blacks in basketball than East Asians, blah, 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 right? Now, this is natural. This is the result of evolution, and there's nothing wrong with it. It's not good or bad. It's just just is, right? It's like Finnish people are taller, Swedish people are taller than Japanese people. It's not good or bad. It's not superior or inferior. It's just different. So for people to join a moral crusade, imagining that there's a lot of opposition when they're in fact totally flowing with the tide, it gives them the luxury of feeling good without danger. See, good comes with danger. True virtue opposes the interests of evil people, evil people will take their pound of flesh right? or pound of reputation, <laughs> Wikipedia, right? So if you genuinely do good, you will be interfering with the goals of evil people. And those evil people will get angry at you and make your life difficult as best they can, right? That's inevitable, right? So, you know, the guys who invented the car made life difficult for the people who shoveled horse shit for a living, Right? So we want to, so, so society or sorry, our, our biology in a sense gives us endorphins for, for doing good and being good, right? 
you ever done this where you, you've just stood up for something in public or opposed someone doing something wrong in public? Maybe you spoke up against a child abuser or you did something and, and you get this rush of endorphins, right? You, you feel good for doing good. And everybody wants that feeling good. But the reason why we feel so good when we do good is because it's fucking dangerous, right? That's why. Otherwise, we wouldn't need all the endorphins to do good, right? So endorphins are the hook that, that have us pursue virtue. Now, if you can get the endorphins of thinking you've been good without any of the associated danger of doing good, well, that's a real high. Right? That's like, uh, you know, winning a virtuous woman, getting pair bonded, and b making beautiful love. It's a wonderful thing. You know, whacking off to a North American river otter video is like not quite, not quite the same thing, right? If it comes with a Kleenex, it's not a family tree. So, or, or if you win in a video game, that's not the same as, you know, really hard fought physical battle in sports or something like that, or war for that matter, right? So, people want the endorphins of doing good, but they don't want the risk, which is the sole reason that those endorphins begin in the first place. Look, this is to the men out there and, you know, women, I'm sure there's a little bit of this for you. This is just like man to man, man to man. Okay, brother to brother. Isn't it terrifying to ask women out? Isn't it just terrifying? And the more you want the woman, the more you desire the woman, the harder it is. And that crossroad of do I or don't I? Will I or won't I? I still remember so vividly the first time I asked a girl out and uh, she, she, I asked her, hey, you want to go swimming on Friday? Because I was really good at swimming and diving. And she said, uh, with who? <laughs> mayday, mayday, captain, we're going down. We've lost all four engines. I can't wait for the ground to swallow us up. So when, so asking girls out is terrifying. Terrifying. And the only thing that, that, and girls seem to like these really confident guys, but the really confident guys generally tend to be complete sociopaths who feel no fear because they're basically, basically not particularly human in, in the way that we would feel these emotions, right? It's terrifying to ask, and, and you've got, so what is it that drives you to ask girls out? Well, love, lust, sex drive, whatever it is, right? Uh, balls hanging heavier than a bunch of Mexican castanets filled with lead. So because to get us over the hump of the fear of rejection... Nature implants in teenage boys this unholy lust that propels you forward, right? You've got the resistance of rejection, but the propulsion forward. And, and you can tell the level of fear by the level of lust that the teenage boys need to be instilled in by nature in order to overcome the fear and the anxiety, right? And the fear is there because we need to find our right place in the sexual pecking order, right? So if we aim for the, the alpha, alpha, alphas, if we aim for the tens and we're a seven or a six or a five, we're going to fail. So you need to have the fear of rejection so that you'll bump back down to the right level, ask out people at the right level so that you can pair bond and have your kids, right? So if you look at the fear of asking girls out, that's matched by the lust and desire to get the girl. I remember my grade six dance. I remember my grade six dance. And all the girls are on one side of the gym. All the boys are on the other side of the gym. And you got to, like, it's like crossing no man's land, right? Like, like Wonder Woman without her shield going across <laughs> no man's land. You got to cross no man's land and you walk up the line of girls. And you're doing this maze, crazy maze-like calculation in your brain, right? And the calculation in your brain is quite simple. The calculation in your brain is this. 
I got to find a girl who's attractive enough that my friends won't make fun of me for asking her to dance, but not so attractive that she'd never in a million years dance with me, <laughs> right? You've got to find that sweet spot, so to speak, right? And that calculation, it's, it's all hell. It's all hell. And I'm so glad to be out of the dating market. <laughs> it's all hell. So uh, my dad says he always aimed for the tens because few others dared ask them out. Yeah, I'm sorry, man. Your dad's just full of crap. I'm sorry. That's just not the case. There's this myth that there are all these lonely, beautiful uh, women because men are just too intimidated to ask them out and so on. I, I think that's mostly a myth, and I've known some beautiful women, particularly in the theater world, uh, a lot of very attractive actresses and so on. Uh, that's, that's just one of these like loopy cuttlefish imitating a woman trick uh, that just doesn't really, really work that well. So, so in terms of the rage, like the, the leftists have, right? So they've got this drug, which is designed to have them face down a mob, but they get it while running with the mob, right? So all of the people who are like, I don't like war, and no one should go hungry, and racism is bad, they get this little thrill of endorphins, like they're, they're standing up against the evil forces for something good and great and noble, and they're part of the generally slow, teeth-grinding upward march of morals and humanity and so on, when they're not. They're just, nobody's, it's not controversial, nobody disagrees with them, everyone cheers them, and it's like the yay stuff, you know, that goes on, right? Which is appropriate for toddlers learning how to potty train, but not for adults going with the flow and being moral cowards while pretending to themselves that they're moral heroes. So when you start to question, I mean, I remember when I, uh, I had a, a friend uh, who was, uh, I don't know much detail, it was Indian, and we had these conversations, and I was curious about racism and so on, but I knew enough about the free market, even back in my 20s, I knew enough about the free market to know that racism alone was not the answer. Right. So he would say, oh, you know, but Indians, uh, whatever, we're discriminated against and so on. Right. Whatever. Right. And I'm like, well. But he was sort of a little bit on the left. And I said, but but don't you believe that capitalists will do anything to make a buck? Right. Capitalists just profit, profit, profit. That's all they care about. It's all they see. Right. It's like, yeah, just pursue profit at all costs. Right. It's like, okay. So if, say, Indians, which is, you know, Indians didn't really take, tend to make more than whites in the West for reasons of immigration, I think, for the most part. It's not exactly a random selection of Indians. But if I said, look, if, let's say, redheaded people, right, because if you can move it to redheaded people, it takes some of the volatility away. And I said, look, if redheaded people are worth $20 an hour, but people are only paying them $10 an hour, then as a capitalist... You can get all the redheaded people to come and work for you for $11 an hour, and you're still making $9 an hour. And then the next capitalist will pay $12 an hour, and he'll still be making $8 an hour more than everyone else, right? So it's, they will bid up. If, if everybody's worth $20 an hour and redheads are worth $20 an hour, but redheads are only being paid $10 an hour, then the capitalists will bid that up out of their own greed for profits until there's equilibrium, right? So if a group is consistently underpaid, you have one or two choices. Either there's something that makes them less economically productive, could be cultural, could be any number of things, right? Or every single greedy capitalist across the entire economy doesn't like making money or dislikes the redheads more than they like making money. Every single one of them, even the redhead, even the companies run by redheads and invested in by redheads will still not hire redheads out of some bizarre 
hostility to redheads, even though you say and your criticism of capitalism is basically it's solely driven by profits and they could massively profit by hiring redheads, but they just won't. Okay, in which case you can maintain your racism theory, but then you have to say that capitalists are not motivated by profit, right? Then you have to drop that criticism of capitalism because clearly if they could profit from hiring redheads, but they simply refuse to hire redheads, then they're not motivated by profit. And that's not just one company, that's all the companies. If in an entire economy, redheads are paid less, then in the entire economy, every single capitalist is not driven. There's no capitalist that's driven by the profit motive and no shareholders that are driven by the profit motive. And no one who's noticed this pattern who then says to the investors, hey man, hire me, I can double your profits just by hiring redheads. There's nobody in the entire economy, including the redheads themselves, because if the redheads are discriminated against, the redheads themselves should get together, start up companies, and outcompete everyone else. Because they can hire the redheads for less. So, but the, so I just remember having that debate many years ago. Gosh, how many years ago? Uh, <laughs> 25 to 55. Yeah, so 30 years ago. I'm not quite 55, but any minute now. So... The racism thing, it's, it's just a way, it, it, what, it's, what the sophists have done is they've handed something to people, like I'm an anti-racist, that gives them the thrill of morality with no risk whatsoever. And then what happens is, because they need to feel that there's opposition to their belief, then they need to find racists. And if they can't find racists, they will invent racists. And you can see this with all of the race hoax crimes across the U.S. and Canada and other places. You know, there's a serious undersupply of racism, and therefore it has to be manufactured in order to be believed in. So hopefully that uh, makes some kind of sense. So you, you start to take away their endorphin kick, right? So if you start to take away their belief that racism and white supremacy is, is just all pervasive in society and about to take, if you take that away, then you reveal that the dragon they pride themselves on fighting largely exists only in their own head, and then they get a crash. They get an emotional crash because their endorphin supply shuts off and is replaced by shame and guilt and embarrassment, and that's really bad, and they get really angry. You know, when a drug addict loses their drug, bleh, right? That's nice. Uh, would you be interested in doing a dream analysis on voice chat tonight? Oh, yeah, you emailed me about this. Yeah, email me, call in at freedomain.com. I think that's better for a one-on-one -on -one convo, if you don't mind. Um, let's see here. Boom. Uh, my girlfriend's sister won't take care of her children. She keeps taking advantage of our care for her children to avoid her responsibilities. No, no dad around, no husband around. I guess not. Well, that's a shame. But here's the thing, you know, this... Um, asking for dances was a thousand times easier than asking for dates. Yeah, because dances, like, you know, back in the day for me, it was always like, let's start with Stairway to Heaven and then God knows what we do in the middle bit in the, you know, four years that Robert Plant had a great voice. Um... Oh, the guy's dad. He is full of BS, but he did score a lot, according to one of his old friends. Yeah. But with who? Right. With what level of quality woman, right? Here's a you know, big trick in life, man. Big trick in life. Do not care for other people's children more than they do themselves. I mean, I know we all care about the kids here. Peaceful parenting. Love the kids. But you cannot. You cannot 
care more for other people's children than they do themselves. The reason being that that's harmful for the children. It is harmful for the children to care about them more than their parents do. Because the moment you care about their children more than the parents do, the parents will simply use your excess care to manipulate and control you and bully you. And that way the children get to grow up seeing, hey, manipulation and bullying totally work. And you've got to sucker people into caring more about your kids are hostages and you can use them to bully and control other people. It's desperately bad for the kids. Do not, do not, do not care about other people's children more than they do themselves. It's desperately bad for everyone involved. Uh, we don't want to sit back and watch our kids get hurt, so we do caretaker activities to curb the destruction, and the mom is home. I don't quite get the end of that sentence, but uh, yeah, I don't know. You don't See, here's the thing. The best thing you can do for kids is to not let bad parents win against you. Best thing you can do with kids is to not let bad parents, manipulative parents, win against you. Because you're aiming for them to get a, a view of the possibilities of a just and free adulthood, right? So, All right. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah, if you, I feel our kindness is being taken advantage of. Right. And look, it's tough, man, because you want to help the kids and, and care for the kids and so on. But um, if abusive parents are rejected by the society around them, that is a great escape hatch for the kids. And I know it's a long time down the road and the kids got along. My mother was largely rejected by decent society. And that was one of the most helpful things that happened for me. Right? Whereas if, if my mom had been able to control everyone around her by being unpleasant towards me and that had won, that would have implanted in me that the best way to get what you want is to abuse children. Right? So you, you can't let that lesson sit in the, kids of, in the head of kids. Uh, yeah, email me about the, um, sorry, email me about the voice, the, the, the dream thing. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. They call sleeping around scoring, but nobody ever wins the game. Yeah. Steph, what do you think about paid fostering of children? I'm considering doing it at the weekends. I don't, um, I don't have any particular... I, I do know, of course, that when the state runs it, then a lot of uh, a lot of people will take in the kids for the money, and that's not a particularly good situation, to put it mildly, right? Philosophy textbook for kids written by Molyneux. Oh, that'd be interesting. Yeah, I thought about that. All right. What is it going to take to get society and the government to learn to live with COVID and stop freaking out about a few cases per uh, what is that? A million people? 100,000 people. Um, it is, you know, it is a little tough, right? It is, when you look at sort of like Canada, oh gosh, what were the, uh, the COVID deaths in Canada are, what, 23,000? Hang on a sec. Let's, uh, what have we got here? COVID Canada, uh, it's now up to 26,918 deaths. Now, we all know that the PCR cycles and the upspinning and all of that, you know, that number is pretty questionable. And what they don't do, of course, is they don't say, well, here are the number of deaths caused by COVID and here are the number of the deaths caused by the lockdown, right? Anytime you only look at one side of the equation, you know, you can pride yourself on being 
smart when you're not. <laughs> I'm not saying you guys, but in general. I remember reading, what was it, The Undercover Economist? It was some throwaway line in there, I think, where some guy was saying, oh, you should never, ever, ever, you know, buy real estate. You should just invest in the stock market, man. Invest in the stock market. That's the way to make your money. Because you look at the returns in the stock market, it's much higher than the returns on real estate, right? And the guy was like, okay, so you're comparing the positives of the stock market, which may be a higher return, although probably not much anymore. You're looking at the positives of the stock market, but not looking at any of the positives of home ownership, right? So if you compare the pluses of one thing to the minuses of another, oh, I'm a genius. It's like, well, that's, that's like a one-dimensional analysis by a zero-dimensional brain, right? That's, it's stupid. It's stupid beyond words. And so whenever you say, well, you know, the costs of COVID are this. It's like, okay, well, what about the costs of shutdowns? What about the costs of people not getting access to healthcare? What about the costs of people ODing because they're addicted to opiates because they can't get pain-relieving surgery? What about the people who aren't getting cancer screenings? What about, what about, what about the kids' suicide? What about, like, what about the businesses? Um, what about the people going into debt? What about the people who are losing their houses? What about, what about, what about, what about the businesses being destroyed, right? What about the um, borrowing, the massive borrowing that's occurring because of the lockdowns and so on, right? So if you just look and say, well, the only variable, the only thing we need to look at is COVID deaths. That's it. There's nothing else. There's no other part of the analysis. I mean, it's just, it's really sad how dumb we've become. Like as a culture, as a society where people just aren't rolling their eyes at that and saying, okay, look, yes, some people are dying of COVID for sure. That's really terrible. Um, but that's only one data point in the entire massively complex question of COVID, right? And so if people are just looking at one thing, they're looking at nothing. They're looking at confirmation bias. They're looking at all of that kind of stuff, right? So, uh, yeah, it's really, uh, it's really sad, a little tragic. And, I mean, there's really not much that you can do about any of that. So you, you need a multivariate analysis. And, and people who don't deal with a multivariate analysis, I, they're, just, they're in the wrong field if they're talking about anything to do with public policy, right? There's no solutions. There's only trade-offs, costs and benefits. And that's true in life as a whole. I could be working out. I'm doing a live stream. Am I working out while doing my live stream? I haven't done that for a while. Would working out be physically better for my body? Yes. Is the live stream better for my mind and soul? Yes. But you got to make your trade-offs, right? So. All right. What's the point of all of this? So, I mean, so there's this thing floating around in Australia which is apparently reverting back to its original penal colony state, wherein the police can, you know, you've got to put an app and the police can demand that you take a photo of yourself at home or outside your house within 15 minutes of them pinging you or you'll get a wee visit, right? I mean, just straight up, limited leash house arrest. Unfortunately, the ambition and desire to master and control that is fantastic in the free market and fantastic when you're hunting and fantastic when you're competing with other people in a relatively peaceful environment. The hunger for victory, the hunger for dominance that characterizes the best in sports and arts and literature, I wish to dominate in the realm of philosophy. Not you, but since I think I'm the best, I want to dominate over others in the same way that anybody who's got a highest, the highest quality product, and in my case, largely free, wants to, you know, 
spread over less quality products. So the desire to dominate, control, and win, which is fantastic in the free market and sports and arts and all of that, right? You want to be the best actor. You want to get the Oscar. You want to dominate everyone else and beat everyone else. That's just a natural part of the human condition. We can't get rid of it in any way, shape, or form without completely erasing our humanity and the very drive that got us to be the apex predator of the planet, if not the universe. So when you have that desire to dominate, compete, and win in the free market, beautiful. When combined with state power, when combined with state power, you get hell on earth. You get hell on earth. It's like saying, well, the desire to have sex is the root of why we're human and how we evolved and why there's pair bonding and why there are children and why, you know, whatever, right? But you combine that with violence and you get sexual assault and rape. So the natural human drives for dominance and winning in a free and voluntary society is fantastic. But, I mean, think of farmers, right? The farmer who's best, who wants to uh, who can produce 10 times what the next farmer can or the farmers around him. He wants to dominate, get more and more farmland, and he ends up feeding enough for a city, right? That's exactly what you want. If you want to live in a city, you need farmers who are very good at what they do, and you need the very best farmers having control of the most land, which is what the free market does. So they want to win. They want to beat out the other guy. They want to outbid the next guy for the farmland. And they can because they can produce more than the next guy. If you can produce more with the farmland, you can bid more for the farmland because you'll get more profit out of it. That's great. But you combine that with the state, well, that's why societies can't survive their own success, right? Because of the state. So the point of it, the point of it right now, and, and there are lots of people who got these theories about the end goal and this, that, and the other. I don't know about any of that. Could be right, could be wrong. Nobody's a fly on the wall that I know of who can record these things. They're probably never recorded anyway. Anybody who goes into those kinds of meetings probably um, shoots their cell phone with a shotgun before going in, right? The point of this all, so what's the point of a heroin addict to get more heroin? What's the long-term goal? There is no long-term goal. The short-term goal is to get more heroin, to feed the addiction. So people in power are getting a high out of controlling us, out of making us do stuff. I talked about this way back in the story of your enslavement. The most profitable livestock is humanity. So what are they doing? Well, they're doing whatever addicts do. They're doing what every single addict has ever done since the dawn of time. They manipulate, they lie, they bribe, they threaten, they cajole, they're emotional terrorists to get what they want. In this case, power. Is there an end goal? Yeah, probably to some degree for some people, but the end goal is merely just a justification for the immediate addiction. Like, People who are addicted, like people who are addicted to marijuana, they have like, oh, I got this end goal of like self-knowledge and nirvana and being at one with nature and, and working the herb for self-knowledge or whatever it is. But that's all a bunch of nonsense because what they want is to smoke the next bowl. That's, that's what they want. That's what their addiction tells them, right? So, All right. How to deal with anxiety, low self-worth, and pretty much complete paralysis when it comes to getting further in life? Well... Fuck the people who implanted that in you for their own benefit, right? Fuck the people. So here's the thing. You want to know why parents implant such crippling self-doubt on the part of their children? It's because the parents are unlikable people that nobody will want to spend time with in their old age. So they cripple a child in order to keep that child close by so that they can gain additional resources and companionship when they get old. They cripple and break usually one child, usually the youngest, 
They cripple and break that child in order to turn that child into a serf who can slave away supporting them in their old age, financially, medically, emotionally, whatever it is, right? Now, if you are a nice, wonderful person, then your children will want to spend time with you in your old age. They will love you. They will care for you no matter what. They will want you to be around their kids. They will celebrate and worship your very existence and appreciate everything that you've done and mourn for you when you're dead. So you don't have to worry. If you are loved, you don't have to worry about your kids giving you resources in your old age if you need them. But if you're like a shitty person who's mean, vitriolic, petty, vindictive, just an asshole in general, then who's going to want to spend time with you in your old age? Who? Well, the crippled child that you've created to serve your own narcissistic needs into the shadowlands of ancientness. So if you recognize that you've been hamstrung in the same way that they would cripple slaves in the ancient Roman Empire, they'd cut through their Achilles tendon so they couldn't run away, so that it was easier to manage and control them. So you have had your personality cut down in order to serve a narcissist, so fuck him and don't do it. (laughs) I know that's really easy, but once you identify what's going on, it's a whole lot easier to start solving it, right? All right, let's see here. If you were to have someone from your past whom you believe has wronged you and owes you an apology, reach out and ask for a relationship, but without acknowledging the wrong or apologizing, would you give them a chance? God, no. (laughs) Not even close. Because they're inviting me into the the most aggressive action there is. The most aggressive action there is outside of direct violence is demanding that you subjugate yourself towards someone else's unreality. Someone else's unreality. My mother, of course, as I've mentioned before, had this, and you know, it's not like I'm thinking about my mom all the time. It's just that she's a very convenient way to explain these things, right? My mother had this explanation as to why her life went so badly, which was that doctors injected her with bad things, and it was part of a big conspiracy to blah, 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 right? Now, that's just a whole bunch of unreality. Doctors never found anything wrong with her. They did test after test after test. But anyway, she had a terrible guilty conscience. She had unprocessed childhood trauma from the war and the general rape of the German women that went on from the Red Army when everyone from 8 to 80, which would be my mom's category, was raped senseless during the invasion from Russia through Germany. And these were the allies. These were the allies. These were the people we fought for and fought with and hmm, mass rapey communists. But anyway, so the demand is that you believe somebody else's unreality. And that is an act of bullying. That is an act of dominance and subjugation. When somebody comes along and demands that you believe in their bullshit and will attack you if you don't, that is an effort to subjugate you, to control you, to enslave you to their unreality. So if somebody's done me genuine wrong and they just pretend that it didn't happen, they're inviting me into subjugating myself and bowing down towards their ghost and goblin of unreality and bullshit. And I don't kneel to bullshit. I just don't kneel to bullshit. I won't do it. I never have. And I never will. So bullshit comes along. I'll either avoid it or call it bullshit. But I will not fucking bow to it. And if somebody invites me into an alternative reality where they never did anything wrong, hey, enjoy your alternative reality. I'm kind of down with the real thing, so fuck off. Not you, of course, right? Oh, yeah, so Australia. Yeah, uh, Australia's crazy. Sorry. I I thought I hadn't finished that. And now, uh, now I have. All right. Steph, you're on quack. Oh, that's my... <laughs> uh, the ducks are like the loveliest creatures around. I just wanted to uh, point that out. The ducks are just about the loveliest thing around. All right. All right. What have we got? Hour 20. Eh, 
yeah, not bad. Just make like fourth hour shows today, so. Um, not much can pull me away from this live stream other than my son calling me to talk about ideas. Greatest thing ever. What did I miss? Oh, you missed it all, baby. And there's nowhere to catch it. Well, there is actually, all right. Uh, I remember a few years back when Steph was getting some viewers from 4chan and they lambasted him about his supposedly Jewish heritage. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that too. I remember that too. Oh, let's see here. Uh, do you all like Ethereum? I like Ethereum, but Jesus, those gas fees. I mean, it's like, grab your toes in the prison shower, man. It's brutal. Uh, right. My parents were hoarders and messy. Now as an adult, keeping my place organized seems like swimming upstream. Is it related or am I lazy? My, my first contact, my first question is, are you still in contact with your parents? Which is not a good or a bad thing, but if you are still in contact with your parents, although they're hoarders and messy and I assume defensive and hostile about being, it being pointed out, then you're still subjugating yourself to their unreality. Because hoarders don't say that they're hoarders. They say they're just saving things for a rainy day. They're not messy. They're just creative or whatever it is, right? So if people are fundamentally lying to themselves and you're still in contact with them, then you are being subjugated to their lies. Now, when you subjugate yourself to other people's lies, they infect you. Their lies infect you, and you end up being subjugated to that behavior. That's just the way things go. Everybody's perspective communicates itself to you. Nothing spreads faster than an idea or an argument or defensiveness or an avoidance or an unreality. So, is that where the word hamstrung comes from? I think so, yeah, I think so. Uh, let's see here. Last year, somebody says, uh, last year my dad died and my mother goes to his grave every week despite them being divorced for 13 years. What's that about? Huh. So some people go to graves because they're lonely and they talk to headstones because they don't have any genuine or real relationships. I don't know. That's very strange. Divorced for 13 years. Your mom goes to his grave every week. I assume that that makes her look sentimental and loving, and that's a form of manipulation. Uh, Stefan, at which age did you begin reasoning with your daughter? Uh, about 15 months, about 15 months of age. Uh, and I knew that. I mean, I had Alison Gopnik, the, who wrote The Philosophical Baby, on my show many, many years ago. And uh, you, you, can reason with, uh, you can reason with people pretty early, pretty early on. All right, uh, last comments or questions? Let's just see if we've got anything else. Uh, <laughs> would Plato get the vax? I don't know. That's an interesting question. How thick is daylight? Um, I, when daylight's twerking, it's plenty thick. When it's not twerking, it tends to be less plenty thick. You thick boy, you thick. All right, last question or two. We're not going the full two hours. I quit. <laughs> My daughter and I are working on a project which I'm coming up with some pretty outlandish ideas for. And uh, I, will, I will inform everyone, uh, tragically, sadly, that um, uh, she fired me today. That was very, very tragic, very sad. She just looked up and she says, you're fired. <laughs> 
I can't believe I lasted this long. So her and YouTube, man, her and Twitter, fired. I can't believe it. It was very funny. Of course I'm not, but it was very funny nonetheless. All right. Let's see. Any other questions, comments, issues, problems? Uh, you guys are the flint upon which the sparks of my intelligence rise. So I really appreciate these questions. I couldn't do it without you, or certainly not nearly as well. So what you guys do is fantastic and essential. All right. <sighs> what was Izzy's first word? Elbow. Well, uh-oh, usually it's the first word, so... Um, what's a good way to debate the idea of having children with my partner? She's 21, I'm 26, and she's adamant about not having kids. Excuse me, what the fuck are you doing with somebody who doesn't want to have kids if you want to have kids? What am I... What am I missing here? Like, isn't if you want to have kids, and that's the whole reason for love and sexual desire and all of that, what are you, what are you doing? What are you doing with somebody who doesn't want to have kids? And people who don't... Look, I'm going to tell you straight up. I'm not, I'm not, this is might be complete prejudice on my part. People who don't want kids are weird. People who don't want kids are weird. I've known now in the arc of my life as I'm heading into the last third of it or whatever, right? So in the arc of my life, I've known a whole bunch of people who want kids and a whole bunch of people who don't want kids. And the people who don't want kids are fucking weird. They're just weird. It's unprocessed. It's selfish. You know, all the women who are like, well, I don't want it to ruin my figure. It's like, come on. Come on, four fucking billion years of hard-fought evolution to you who doesn't want a couple of silver-lined stretch marks because you're going to get old and ugly anyway. Like, there's nobody over 60 who looks particularly good who hasn't had massive amounts of work and psycho-polishing done from some sky lasers on their forehead and, and, th and hips and thighs. But yeah, there's nobody who looks particularly good. And I'll put myself in that category over 60 in a bathing suit. Look at this. I'm jowly now. That's partly because I got the scar, but you no, know, just partly because I'm just almost 55 so yeah getting old gonna get ugly and you know not gonna stay a lean mean fighting machine forever so the idea that like, well you know i can get another 10 years of out of my body if i don't have any kids it's like how fucking selfish and ridiculous and petty and shallow and materialistic and bullshit laced can you possibly be i also know men who didn't want to have children because they were afraid of their wife's temper and didn't want to expose a child to that temper in which case uh you're with the wrong person and you need to divorce that person or find a way for them to get them to fix their temper and go and have kids with somebody who's nice, say, right? So I've not, no, it's not like, hey, not everyone has to have kids. I get all of that. And there could be totally legitimate reasons for it. I'm just saying that from my experience and in talking with a lot of people online, the people who don't want kids generally are incredibly selfish slash narcissistic. And they will not subjugate themselves for the betterment of anyone or anything else. They will not subjugate themselves to a, an ideology that will cause them to suffer for a greater cause. They will not subjugate themselves towards children who will continue their ideas, their thoughts, their lineage, and their genetics. They will not subjugate themselves to anything. They ride the wind. They're hedonists. They talk about all the wonderful, pleasant things that happen in their life, and they simply fade away from existence because if you won't sacrifice, you won't last. If you won't sacrifice... You won't last. If you won't take risks, if you won't subjugate yourself to anything higher, you've become just another mammal that will pass away and be mourned about as much as a dog from 4,000 years ago. Uh, aside from the contradiction, is minarchism something that could work compared to the current system? Current system started with minarchism. Governments in the past were about 3% three three the size of governments now. So when governments are small, 
the free market grows, which means government can raise taxes and people still have more than enough to live, and then they can use that as collateral to borrow more and slowly enslave the population. So nope. Nope, nope, nope. All right. Ah, let's see here. In one of your shows, you refer to stop managing the two-way conversation. How can we do that to be a more genuine listener and be more vo? Vo. <laughs> I think I know what you mean. So if you know what the person's going to say next, you're not having a conversation. If you're thinking about something else while the person is talking, you're not having a conversation. If you're genuinely curious about what comes next out of the person's mouth and you're alive to that listening in the moment, you're actually having a conversation. So you need to be with people who are surprising but not random, right? I mean, you don't want somebody who's got uh, um, Tourette's and just like randomly swearing at the sky. So you don't want people who say random stuff because that's just chaotic and mentally ill. But you want people who are going to be surprising to you and maintain your interest without being completely chaotic. So if they're too boring and too predictable, then we all at some point have someone in our life. It's just robot-based Pavlovian drooling dog stimulus response. You say this, they get angry. You say this, they get happy. You make this claim, they get enraged. You make this claim, they get content. Right? Whatever it is, right? It's just stimulus response. And you know, you know absolutely everything that's going to come out of their mouth before they say it, right? <sighs> and you just can't, that's not a relationship. That's like a bad script. That's not a relationship. So um, you've got to be with people. You, you, you owe interest to interesting people. You owe your interest to interesting people. And you owe upping the game of dull and boring people, either for yourself or for others. But, yeah, if you're just in these wheezy, boring relationships, oh, I had a little bit of ham for lunch, and isn't it raining this afternoon, and blah, 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 and, oh, well, you know, this is bad, and that is good, and politics, politics, politics. You know everything that they're going to say. You're just killing time until time kills you. What does the process of reasoning with a 16-month-old child look like? How does the child communicate? What, 16 months, you can point at things. At 16 months, they'll have a couple of words. And uh, yeah, you can, you can reason with kids for sure. They have cause and effect. They have object constancy. They have reward mechanisms and so on. So, Why have gross kids when you can have dogs and travel? That's strange, right? What does Steph think about abortion? Uh, it's a terrible thing. It's a terrible thing. Um, it's a really complicated, messy thing, which means we need a free market, voluntary-based solution. Uh, I, I, I think that killing the unborn is, is morally reprehensible. At the same time, if a woman is raped or there's victim, it's a victim of incest or, or whatever, uh, then that is also uh, seriously messed up and unpleasant. So I don't know. What about the man that doesn't want kids? Is it only women or men also? Uh, the women who don't want kids are even weirder in my humble opinion. And I'm not talking about the women who can't have kids. And I'm not talking... So, look, you might have some incredible skill and ability, right? And, and you may be like the world's greatest opera singer, or you may be able to write fantastic n-dimensional kitchen sink dramas, or you may be an amazing movie director. And, and so you can leave your footprint on the cultural face of the planet, and maybe, maybe then it's like, yeah, kids are going to really slow me down. I like to think I have kind of a few abilities, but I in no way, shape, or form ever regret all the time I took off from doing philosophy and writing books in order to be a parent. In no way, shape, or form, that has been some of the greatest investments in my life. So no issue, no problem at all. I've got plenty of time. Like She's going to be out of the house in, what, she's going to be 13 this year. And so, yeah, five years plus, she's going to be out of the house. Uh, I'll still be uh, 60 
uh, and I've got another 20 years to write if I want. Tons of time to do any of that stuff if, if I want. And the time that I've spent with her has been some of the greatest times in my entire life. So I get no issues with any of that, no regrets, no problems. So, but for women, women's odds of having some mind-bendingly great career and having the testosterone and ridiculously high IQ to pursue and achieve it are just low. I mean, they're low for just about everyone. Most people can't write great plays. Most people can't make great paintings or compose great operas or sing like a nightingale. And like most people just can't do that. And so the odds of you or me having this world-shaking ability are tiny, tiny. So what are you going to do? What are you going to do? This is one of my most controversial tweets that I ever put out. Ladies, you live to 80. If you don't have kids, what are you going to do for those 40 long years between 40 and 80? Women went insane. They went mental with this. That's the fundamental question. What are you going to do? The odds of you having a career or calling or talent or skill set or occupational set that is going to give you as much meaning as having a big, happy, loving family are infinitesimally small. And, and, and even the people who have those levels of talents very often later in life, life regret, regret that they pursued those talents rather than creating people. I don't care if you can write a realistic sounding play when you can actually create a new human being. <laughs> human being. Wow, I can write dialogue really realistically. I don't know. How about you have sex and create someone who can make up their own dialogue for the next 80 years? Isn't that slightly more artistic in a way? And of course, you can transfer your values and you can, you know, train them to do good in the world and all that kind of stuff, right? So the woman's odds of having an earth-shatteringly satisfying career in an existentially meaningful way are so tiny that for most people, meaning it's kids are bust. It's kids are bust. And of course, a man has ample time to make up for his errors and start a family. Women don't. Women don't. Everything you pay for. Why have gross kids when you can be found dead alone in your apartment being eaten by your cats? Uh, did Steph get the Delta COVID? How are you talking about? I've been sick in years. Uh, if you like being alive, pay it forward. Oh, yeah, because all the people, all the hedonists who are like, well, being, life is, being alive is so great. Why would I want to have kids? It's like, you selfish bastards. You love being alive so much because your parents bothered to have you and you won't even pay it forward? That's like inheriting a fortune and just blowing it on hookers and blow. Sad, 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 sad. I'm in the US. How do you think the US avoids becoming Australia or is it inevitable? Well, I mean, there's a lot more uh, people committed to liberties in the U.S. The, the vaccination rate is still hovering around 60% last time I checked. So there is a lot of skepticism of authority. And I don't know what's inevitable. Uh, I, I don't like to think of inevitabilities in, in society as a whole. So, I mean, who would have, who would have picked uh, up on the white swan of COVID, right? So I don't like to think of inevitabilities as a whole. So just keep being out there and speaking the truth. I think at some point, so people, I think as a whole, if I can read the zeitgeist correctly, and this is nothing I'm creating, just things that I'm observing, but if I can read the zeitgeist correctly, I would say that people were like, oh, okay, so fine. We're not going to get that mad at China. We're going to 
buy into this, whatever it wasn't, gain of function, fine, fine, fine. Um, okay, the vaccines, yeah, it's kind of new technology. It hasn't really worked in the past. It's more than 10 times accelerated and a two-month testing window on a very small select group of people. Okay, but, you know, I want to protect my neighbor. I want to do the right thing. I'll take the injection. Everyone tells me it's safe and effective, and the safe and effective, safe and effective. It's like this echo chamber. So I'll go do it, and I will lock down. I'll stay home for a year and a half. I'll give up my business. I'll not see my grandparents. I'll, you know, for the sake of the greater good, it's like a war against blah, 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 right? And I think, I think in general, as a whole, um, people have sacrificed on the promise that the sacrifice is going to pay off. And you can get people to do that for a while. You can get people to do that for a while. It takes a lot of propaganda, but you can get people to do that for a while. Now, I think people, though, have a very deep sense of when the promise isn't paying off, when the sacrifice isn't paying off. Right. I mean, if you look at the suicide hotlines for Afghanistan vets went through the roof on the recent one of the worst military disasters in modern history, and certainly in American history, this uh, pullout of Afghanistan, where basically the American government spent 20 years producing gain-of-function Taliban. So, yeah, uh, it's um, nothing's inevitable from that standpoint. And I think what's happening is people are like... Nah, I, uh, something's not right with this. Wait, the most vaccinated countries are getting the most cases? Wait, I need a third shot? Wait, now they're talking about two Pfizer, pill, Pfizer pills? What the? Like, this wasn't in what was talked about. And people, of course, had this last year, too, with uh, what, two weeks to flatten the curve and stuff like that, right? So I think people are getting kind of pissed uh, at the moment. And how far that goes in terms of what they'll accept, I don't know. I don't know. That's when it goes past that border for me. That's nothing to do with me. That's nothing to do with me anymore. All right. I'm an artist, and I can attest to weird women and not wanting kids. I've just learned not to pursue them and told them up front that it's a no go. Oh yeah, I would say yeah. Didn't Agatha Christie regret her books? Ah, it was some mystery writer. I think uh, Ann Coulter talked about it in one of her books. But yeah, it was just just really brutal. The woman who wrote Sex in the City broke down in an interview about the regret of not having kids. Candace Bushell, I think her name was. Oh, yeah, she's just lonely old woman now, right? And um, I can't think that that punishment is even close to harsh enough for the abomination of Sex in the City and how many women it destroyed. There's a new variant now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You asked a caller if his mother reached her potential. Is being a mother enough? No. Being a mother is not even close to enough to reaching your potential. Being a good mother, yes. Being a mother, no. Uh, let's see here. Uh, well, see, here's the thing. Everyone talks about these vaccination rates, but people aren't also putting into the mix that there's a large number of people who have been exposed to the virus, either didn't get sick but have produced antibodies, or got sick and have produced antibodies but never showed up in hospital, right? I mean... I talked to one of them on my show, and I've talked to people in, in my life as a whole. Oh, yeah, I got sick, and my family got sick, and everyone in my family except this person got sick, and, and all of that. So there are tons of people who never ended up in hospital that the healthcare system doesn't really know much about who have some version of natural immunity, which apparently is better at variants than the vaccines, 
And so it's not just, oh, they say, oh, 70%, 80% vaccinated. What I want to know is antibody tests in the general population to find out what the actual rate of supposed immunity to at least symptoms is in the population. I don't want to hear about vaccinated rates unless it's also combined with natural immunity rates. Because if vaccinated plus natural immunity is like 95%, well, they've got some splaining to do, right? They got some splaining to do, right? Um, does somebody know? Yeah, it's the CDC, right? They said possibly 80% of Americans have antibodies, right? There was big. There have been studies, I think, in the UK as well, that a large number of people have been exposed to these things. So I want to know not just the vaccines, but I want to know vaccines plus antibodies, plus natural immunity. That's what I want to know. If you, if I don't know that, I don't care what people are talking about. So, all right. <laughs> 17 months, three shots and daily pills to slow the spread. <sighs> yeah, crazy, right? So, uh, let's see here. Childless woman here. I may regret just not yet, but I certainly wish I did have the desire to have them. I just have zero. Well, I remember we've talked before. We talked on Clubhouse, and we should talk about that. I'm curious. Again, I'm always happy to be corrected and always happy to see exceptions to the general things that I've observed. So uh, shoot me an email, and we can uh, we have a chat about it if you'd like, because uh, I think it's uh, very interesting. But you also have a very in-depth helping career that is leaving a lot of good footprints in the world. And so you you are one of these people who can do great good in the world based upon what you do. If I, I know we talked about this before, so... That uh, that would be it. All right. Uh, you're asking too much. Normal people can't understand those studies. Easy to say you are killing grandma. Well, but uh, people do have an instinctive sense of when they're being lied to. Now, some people may prefer the lie, but everybody still has, uh, so many people have an instinctive sense of when they're being lied to. And when you ask people for sacrifice and the sacrifice doesn't pay off, People are going to have questions, and they should, and they should. All right. Okay, thanks, everyone, for dropping by tonight. Freedomain.locals.com for a great community. You can post. It's free. Uh, if you want to support me, that's fantastic. Freedomain.com forward slash donate to help out the show. I'd really appreciate that. Please, please, please get my free books. They're just fantastic. You will love them. Uh, Freedomain.com forward slash books. You can go to freedomain.com forward slash almost for my novel and FDR URL, that's Freedomain Radio URL, fdrurl.com forward slash TGOA for The God of Atheists for that book. You'll love them. And don't forget fdrpodcast.com, new search engine with thumbnails and video links. And if you want to find something that I've done, fdrpodcast.com, I'll do something this weekend, which is going to be a general, um, <laughs> boy, it's funny, you know, it'll be a product demo, which I used to do for a living, but I'll be doing that. So... Have yourselves a wonderful weekend. I love you guys. Thank you so much for dropping by all of the fantastic and fabulous questions. It is a genuine honor and a privilege. <laughs> it is a genuine honor and a privilege to serve in these philosophical trenches with you, my brothers and sisters in arms. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Lots of love from here. I'll talk to you soon. Bye.